Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 245th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, wait a worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national Champion. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Love guarded by Keels. Gets a screen. Pulls up for three. Got it. Caleb from straight away. This is the Four Corners Podcast. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. We got a lot to get into and discuss, including telling you about the new home that we have found for the podcast. We're going to dive into the transfer portal, give you an update on the guys that Carolina is still actively recruiting some guys that they've missed on, and just some general uh, discussions around the team and the program. But we start every edition of the pod as we always de- uh, as we always do with our pod thought of the day, and we we go to legendary football coach Bill Belichick, and this quote is: "Talent sets the floor, character sets the ceiling." And you know when you look back at what went wrong. This last year for Carolina, uh, to me, it wasn't a talent issue. I thought Carolina had the talent. They had the goods, I thought, to compete for and win a, a, a conference championship and maybe even a national championship. But I thought they just didn't have good basketball character. And I think that's a big reason why they lost the games that they lost and the ways that they lost where it was literally genuinely boneheaded mistakes, poor shot selection, you know, whatever it was. It was to me. I never looked at them and said that the teams that we were getting beaten by were were gifted or whatever, were more gifted or whatever. Most of the times, Carolina got beat. Carolina got beat because they beat themselves. And you know, a lot of times when you hear that, that comes across as you setting, you know, or making excuses or something like that for the opponent. But for Carolina, like you could look at every box score when they got beat and and point to something that they didn't do right or good enough and say, yeah, this was a UNC issue as opposed to 
an opponent this year. And I think that's why you've seen the way Carolina has approached the transfer portal this this season. I, I think, obviously, you want talent. I drool over having talent. Um, but that's, I also... That's- that's disgusting. You know, <laughs> yourself up. I, I also want. I also want good guys. I want good. I want Carolina guys, and mm-hmm. you know, I think that's something that Hubert Davis is exhausting going through and trying to find is finding guys that respond to him and fit into him and his program, and that's why you know we've gone over a month now. Carolina has been in the portal. And they've only landed two guys, and there's still a lot of uh, a lot of holes to fill on the roster, which we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Um, but we did want to provide an update because the last time we we talked to you, we told you that the basketball podcast network was folding, and that 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 did happen. Kind of like Carolina down the stretch, the basketball oh podcast God. network has folded, and it seizes it's the off season. You know, taking shots to no longer exists. But the good news is, and we told you guys this whenever we made that announcement, given the download numbers that the podcast has produced last year, we produced over 44,000 downloads. Um, This year, we were over 25,000 at the time that the network was getting shut down. The podcast was in somewhat of a demand, and there were a lot of different people and places interested in, in making the Four Corners podcast their home. Um and luckily for okay. us, we got two offers. But sure, okay, yeah. <laughs> you know, luckily for us, we we work at a radio station that is in the heart of college basketball country. Uh, we work at a out of Charlotte, two and a half hours away from college basketball royalty in Chapel Hill. Um, it also doesn't hurt that a P one to the show is also is our boss. Um and and needless to say, the radio station that we work at, Sports Radio ninety two seven WFNZ, they have they have taken us uh, aboard. They we we've now become a part of their podcasting family. We and- also we also may or may not have gotten down on our knees and cried <laughs> for many minutes uh, to try to try to get this facilitated. And needless to say, you know we're we're excited and optimistic about what this can do for the future of the pod because. You know, through through this, where you know when when you've got a radio station affiliated with your podcast, it does add some more legitimacy. It does allow us through our podcast to continue to build, you know, our individual brands, but our show brand and, and a show here that um, we want to deliver the best content around Carolina. Basketball. Also, they've stopped asking me why I stay here so long. It's weird how since now we're one of their podcasts. They're like, heck yeah, man, get on the grind. Earlier it was like, hey man, you know you can go home and do these podcasts, right? So, you know, we're we're just we're really excited. We're thankful, humbled that this was of allowed course, to happen. Um and we feel like there are still big things on the horizon. We've all we know we're we're gonna get both the pods on a streaming platform so you can see our ugly faces while we talk to you. Uh, maybe this will work in some remote shows. A whole bunch of stuff. I have a question. I have a question. Are you going to get a toupee? No. When you go on air? No. no. You're just going to let the dome shine? I, look, I am proud of the baldness, and uh, the uh, baldness is proud of me. Okay. So All right. um, I like it. I like it. You know, or you could just wear a hat, you know. Uh, which I typically do. Okay. I'm wearing one All right. right now. Um so yeah, we're we're excited about the future, the direction, all the things that are still uh, set set to come our way as we continue to try to deliver the best content 
that we can surrounding the, this program. So now let's get to the the meat and potatoes of what we're here for today, oh, here and that's to talk about the transfer portal. And um, Carolina's activity has increased. They've been relatively quiet leading up to the Final Four and shortly after, but they've definitely got a lot more involved with some other guys. But the first one we're going to talk about is the guy that they missed on and a guy that we identified probably three weeks ago as a guy that we said he's coming. And that was Nick Timberlake, the Towson transfer. And the reaction to Carolina missing out on him was very... It was on, hilarious. It was very on point for me. where the program is. It's just because, I, and look, I said when I he entered the portal and Carolina got involved, I said, look, there's no denying, good player. You don't put up the numbers he put up at, for five years unless you, you're you're actually good at, at playing the game of basketball. But I also said, look, man, we're 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 involved in Paxson Wojcik from Brown, who's already committed to Carolina. You know, we, they were involved with Dalton Necht from um, Northern Colorado, a, a guy that's from the Big Sky Conference, a, 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 an even lower-tier mid-major conference, if you will. So I was very hesitant to, to adding a guy like Nick Timberlake. Wouldn't have been against it. Carolina needs talent and they need depth in, in, on this roster, but I wasn't going to be sitting there pumping my fist and saying, we got to steal. He ends up at Kansas, um, where you know you'd imagine he'll do some really great things for Bill Self and the Jayhawks program moving forward. But the slew of people that told you and I, whenever we wrote about it, whenever we talked about it, hey, we don't want them, we yeah. don't need them. Yep. Well, now they're ticked because Carolina didn't get them. Oh, they were the first ones in there commenting on the fact that he was not a part of the team, <laughs> that he was going to Kansas. Right. By the way. Uh, he's going to Kansas. Um, Kansas, not bad at basketball, right? Pretty good. Last time I checked, no. I mean, what were they this past year in the tournament, right? They made it, right? Did they make it? Oh, they were one seed. That's right. Some people thought they should have been the number one overall seed. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I'm not panicking. But, yeah, it also is very interesting that when this name was brought up, a lot of people felt the same way that you did, which at this point for me – like, we have seen at multiple spots, including some really big schools, that guys are coming up from the mid-major conferences and they're contributing mm. at a high level. Like, this this is just the new era, especially this is the thing. You talk about being scarred by the guys that Carolina brought in back in 2019 to for, for that 19-20 season. Yeah. That was Christian Keeling, Justin Pierce. Those guys, I mean, they were mid-level players even in their own conference. Now you are talking about guys like Nick Timberlake was a two-time first-team player in his conference. Mm -hmm. Very well-respected. Good scorer of the basketball. Dalton Neck, a guy that's a first-team player. A lot of people with him were saying, well, you know, he was on a team that wasn't that good. He was the number one guy, but, hey, Northern Colorado really wasn't that great of a team. Now that Carolina looks like they're not going to get him, well, I don't understand why we can't get Dalton next. You know, it looks like Indiana's in on him, Oregon's in on him, and it's like, so you need to make up your mind. Do you, do you, do you want to go after these guys? Like, maybe you, should, maybe you should actually do some research on these players before you actually react to – the fact that Carolina's offered them. Because now, once you see these bigger schools jumping in, you think it's the end of the world that Carolina's not landing them. And here's the thing about this situation in particular. Looking back on it, 
I, I was I was of the opinion, especially with Timberlake, that I would have taken him. I think I know that he's coming up from Towson, but I feel like he's a guy that could have helped this team a lot with his outside shooting. Mm-hmm. And now you look around, you look at the guys that are already off the board, and you look at where Carolina's at with two commits in this class or in this transfer class, I should say. Where's the three-point shooting? Yeah. You got Wojcik. That's it. Well, like, my thing is that, like— look, And can we agree that Nick Timberlake's a better player than Paxson Wojcik? No, no offense to Paxson Wojcik. Yeah, I think he could be a good player. But Nick Timberlake, to me, is a better player than him. You know, all things considered, yeah, here's the, here's the issue that I have. And this is what I said about Nick Timberlake. Would I have been overly—like, would I have been on here doing jumping jacks had they gotten him? Probably not. But when you lose literally every every wing on your roster, yep, you really can't afford to be picky. You really, I mean, like you can be choosy. And now that now they're in a situation where they are pretty much living and dying by one player that we're going to talk about here in a minute. So on the wing, you know, it's. It, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just emblematic of what of what this program is going through. And, and this should. Here's the thing: as frustrated as I am by it. Not surprised by it. When you go twenty and thirteen, when you were preseason number one, and you become the first team since the tournament expanded in nineteen eighty five to miss the field, it's not going to be easy to sell your vision to 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 players. Like think about when Hubert Davis first became the, the the head coach. That was the first major year of the transfer portal, right? And whenever you see these types of things happen. Whether it's at uh, the premier job in the country, like Carolina is, or even if it's at like other other good like other good programs, like when Louisville comes available or something like that, there's excitement for players to want to go be a part of something new at a program that's got the history, the tradition that Carolina has. So year one, it was very easy to to sell to to, to transfers. Year two, Carolina did miss out on. Matthew Mayer, Terrence Shannon, Kevin O'Banner, the like. But also, Carolina had to be very selective who they went after because two of your four returning starters didn't announce they were coming back until the last three days of the process. So, you know, you you were you couldn't really get involved with too many guys because you were waiting on R.J. Davis and Caleb Love to announce if they were coming back or not. This year, you've got all the availability in the world, but you can't you can't get guys in the door because you had a bad year. Considering expectations, there's been a lot said about that. You know, there's been articles written. You had the whole not going to the IT fiasco. So this, I think, was always going to happen, and it's it's a it's a hard pill to swallow because. This is the best college basketball program in the country with what it has to offer, with its history, its tradition, and stuff like that. But there are questions around the head coach that is coming off a a missed tournament appearance. And I'm, I'm also, I got to tell you, I'm also a little concerned. I told you this the other day when we were talking about this a little bit. I'm concerned with the approach to the portal of getting a guy that you're focused on and then being attracted to somebody else that enters the portal yeah. and saying, hey, that could be an upgrade. Okay, I get that. But as you mentioned, you have so many holes for this team. And now part of it, and I, I, 
this this was another thing that I said. I think you can't push too hard because you don't want to lose their commitment. You need answers from Ian Jackson and Elliot Cadu because you've got to know how many of these spots you've got to fill. But regardless, and- I think we believe that it's probably one that would reclassify. So that leaves you with three spots. Yep. You need to close out the guys that you are bringing in for visits. It cannot be, hey, we're bringing you in, but we also like this other guy. We're going to see whether or not we feel like he's the better fit for us. Because when you're not prioritizing guys, and other schools are, this is what I think is leading to some of these guys looking like they're going to Carolina and then eventually ending up somewhere else. Yeah, and you know, like when it comes to the guys reclassifying, one is the the right number. You don't you don't need to add two guys into into this mix because then you're putting a lot of pressure on guys that should be senior in high school, seniors in high school. Um, and if I had to pick one or the other, I'd prefer that to be Elliot Cadu because I think he would do some things for this offense, but. We it's also, it's weird because we also it, know how R.J. Davis feels about being the point guard. That's what I'm saying. It's so weird because if you're just looking from a talent perspective, from a readiness perspective, even maybe from what the, from a perspective of what this team needs the most, it's Kadu. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at it from chemistry, and it, this is what sucks, it's not Kadu's fault. But if you're looking at it from chemistry. It's probably Jackson because RJ, from all indications of that article from Brendan Marks, wants to be the point guard. And look, you could say, oh, I don't really believe that. Whatever. Man, we we know Brendan Marks. We've had him on the show multiple times before. We've talked to him elsewhere as well on the station here. This this dude, this dude's legit. He knows he covers these teams about as well as anybody out there. So I believe him when he says that, and that's that's a concern. So I, I I don't know. To me, I mean, either one, you know, could bring about problems. Not, I'm not saying like from from their, from their perspectives, but either way, there's pros and cons to it. Well, you mentioned the guy that Carolina has kind of put all their eggs in their basket. That's the Stanford transfer. He is Harrison Ingram, and you know, you you could tell how important. He is to Hubert Davis and his staff, by the way. They conducted their in-home visit the other weekend. Um, Hubert Davis took every bench coach down with him to 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 conduct that or to to conduct that uh in-home visit. I believe it was in Dallas, Texas, is where they met with them. Um and look, everything about that, everything came out that said it went it went really well. You know, the vision was sold to him that look, you can be an impact player right away. You know he he he's a natural wing player. He can do a lot of things for you. Um, and and since Carolina went and visited, he pushed back his visit to Kansas on April twenty to April twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. Um, with the Nick Timberlake commitment, you would you you got a factor that's going to imagine in a little bit. But the pushback had to do with the scheduling conflict. Stanford runs their classes. They're on a completely different academic calendar than what you see here on the East Coast. That was why that that's that, that, that got pushed back. But since coming out of that visit, he is now scheduled to visit Chapel Hill uh, this weekend. And Or no, he's there that he's there today. Now. So, you know, when when you're looking at him and you know, if you just go by his box score, you're talking about a guy that averaged ten and a half points per game both years. Um, 6.2 lifetime rebounder at Stanford. 
but a 32% three-point shooter. And that's mm-hmm. a very worrisome number when Carolina just produced the second-worst three-point shooting team in the history of the program. But he's started 62 games at the power conference level, so he knows what it's like to play against top-flight competition night in, night out. I would like to think that in in a perfect world, in a different, in a, in a perfect scenario, where you're playing with R.J. Davis, you're playing with Armando Baycott, all ACC caliber guys, this this it makes the game easier for him, and you would probably see him flourish at a really at a much more efficient level. Talking about a guy that also has averaged over three assists for his career, so he impacts the game. From a scoring perspective, from a passing perspective, and a rebounding perspective, so it makes a lot of sense why Carolina is going is going all in on or at this position because this is a this is a program that is that has lacked winged players since Cam Johnson, Josh Graham, a guy that you hear on on this show pretty frequently. He said he'd be their most impactful wing since Theo Pinson. And Brian Ives said, well, Cam Johnson was a wing. And they got into a little back and forth where he viewed Cam as a as a bigger two guard as opposed to a, a wing player. Plays Sh- He plays wing in the NBA. Sh- so. Shocking that Josh Graham yeah. would, would not agree with something. So, you know, but the, this is a void. And I look yes. at a guy and say, man, rebounder, Gruden, a sister, good. Stuff that Leaky Black did really, really... A, a sister? Yeah, sister. New word. Okay, that's um, yeah, interesting. You know, things that that Leaky did pretty good at. Yeah. But Leaky couldn't score. And a ten and a half ain't nothing to marvel at. But I would like to imagine that ten and a half in Carolina system probably comes 13-14. Yeah. And the shooting percentages improve because you're playing with all-conference guys. It's easy to see why Hubert Davis packed up the family and said, boys, let's go to Texas for well, the weekend. Well, here, here's the thing about the shooting. Uh, that doesn't matter anymore. Because here, here's here's the, the biggest thing about where Carolina's at right now. You don't land Harrison Ingram, who you getting? I don't know. That's, that's how you got to look at it at this point. Is that, yes, you need guys that can shoot the ball, but you backed yourself into a corner here. I mean, there are other guys that are out there. There are still guys that could enter, but I'm going to be honest with you. I think at this point, you've probably seen the majority of big names that are going to enter, enter. Like, there there might be one or two that sneak in late, but if, if that's going to happen, then I'm going to tell you what you have to do. You better be behind the scenes letting them know through back channels we're going to get you paid. That's the only way that you're finding big names that aren't already in the portal. That that's that's it. So, this is this is your guy. And yeah, the shooting numbers concern me a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But there's things I like about him as well offensively. I like the way that he drives the lane. I think that is probably his best quality is he he will just simply get downhill and Carolina and drive by that. guys. Yeah, and I think that works. And the other thing is is look, if you put him around some of these other guys that we're going to talk about, I know there's one that already seems like he could be heading to Carolina, really good shooter. So okay, you got that in there. I think as long as you surround him with guys that shoot the ball well, you probably 
you you can probably feel confident that Carolina is is still going to be all right. He, look, Harrison Ingram is a former five star player, yeah, former McDonald's All American. I and I think the point that you brought up of him having some of the attention taken off of him is a good one because look, when he was at Stanford, look, I, I mean personally, I love Gerard Haas. I thought he was a huge part of what Carolina did early in the Roy Williams era. Gerard Haas has not been a great – I mean, it, things are not going great for him out there at Stanford. And look, it's a hard school to win at. But Harrison Ingram, when he was there, clearly that was the main focus of that basketball team. They don't really have much talent outside of him. It just is what it is. So I think being in this sort of scenario, being, I mean, what, the third, maybe depending on you know what Simeon Wilcher is – um, if they do end up getting one of the reclass guys to come in, um, even if you you know you end up picking a, a, up another guy or two in the transfer portal, he may be that fourth option for you. That even just being that, I think, really helps him a lot. Yeah, and I mean, I think the biggest thing to be concerned about is, you know, Nick Timberlake visited Carolina. We kind of thought when it was done, that's a wrap. He's going to be. And you know, playing in Carolina Blue. Now he's over there playing at Kansas. And, and look, that's something as encouraging as it is that Carolina was down there last weekend. Now he's already back in Chapel Hill. This, to me, this feels like a situation where whenever he leaves, he's got to be leaving with a commitment. Well, the thing is, is that it really, this feels like it depends on what Kansas does. This feels like this visit was taken because as of right now, Kansas doesn't seem to have that spot open. They had a guy that reclassed from 2024 yeah. at that wing spot. That's what sort of, I think, jumbled this up a little bit. There's also some rumors. Now, this is this is something that's on an Inside Carolina message board that somebody sent me um, earlier today. There are rumors that his visit, it was either to Kansas unofficially or they did an in-home. One of the two um, did not go all that well. Apparently, the family wasn't very thrilled by what they heard. No idea. I don't know if it involves NIL or whatever. Um, I find it hard to believe that it it would involve NIL. Kansas is one of those schools that, I mean, they were willing to pay before you could even pay players. So um, I don't think it's an issue for them. But something rubbed them the wrong way. And that's part of the reason why it looks like Carolina's got a real shot here. So Carolina has to pounce on this chance. I think you're right. I think you have to have him. If if he doesn't commit, you've got to have him. I mean, at least on the brink. You got to get. You got to have it where he's pretty much like like eighty ninety percent in, and he's just got to okay some things or whatever. That's that's the only way that. This, you, he should leave there without a commitment. Well, there's another guy that's set to visit Carolina, a name that we're all pretty familiar with after a couple years at Notre Dame. That's Cormac Ryan, uh-huh. um, the former Notre Dame guard. He is set to visit Chapel Hill. He spent the last couple of years out at Stanford after, or, or uh, at, at Notre Dame after starting his career, excuse me, at Stanford, and you know, this was one that, like, I'm not even gonna lie to you. When I when I saw it come across, I kind of just said, "What? We're 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 doing we're doing 
what exactly. Because Cormac Ryan is a really solid basketball player. 6'5 guard, he's from New York, so he's got that that, that toughness that, that you always talk about with New York guards. And, you know, in, in, in the four years that he's been on the court, he's averaged at least 8.7 points per game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like what you saw from him at Notre Dame, a lot of it was because Mike Bray's a really, really good coach and was able to put him in the best position to succeed. And he was never, like, the number one option, which he wouldn't be here, of course, obviously. But he's also, you know, you're talking about a guy that is a career 35% three-point shooter. And 35% isn't great. Um, I always want my guys about 37 38%. But 35% on this team last year would have been really, really good. And so from a shooting perspective, I do understand why Carolina is going to get him. Also, uh, he's very experienced. This is going to be, you know, his fifth year in college. And look, we saw San Diego State take a team full of four, fourth, fifth, six-year guys and ride that all the way to the national championship. Mm-hmm. There's our championship game. There's value in doing that and, and having those types of guys on the roster. What do you make of Carolina going after Cormac Ryan just from a fit perspective? Okay, I will I will say this right now. I guarantee, guarantee, like Chuck would say, that he will be a target. You wanna know why? Because I have spent the last two, maybe even three years, every time we play them, I bring up the fact that he's been there forever and I call him a pilgrim because of his name. So this is only fitting that Cormac will be playing in Chapel Hill. Am I right? It's very possible. Do mm-hmm. I have to do a public apology to him if he's on the team? Like, is that offensive? I said he came over on the Mayflower, which I think is more about the fact that he was he's been there so long. But also, I mean, Cormac Ryan seems like a pilgrimish name. Um no, I mean it's I don't. I, what is the what is the correct terming here? Just I guess interesting. It just doesn't ex- like like when I saw yeah. it, I was just kind of like it doesn't excite me. But I will say this: he just feels like an ACC Pax and Wojcik. Yeah, I mean it doesn't really disappoint me. I think he's a guy that you don't question. You know, as, as you're saying, you won't question the fact of whether or not he can play in the ACC. He's familiar with the conference. Mm, yeah. Um, and I mean, we've seen this. We've seen this a lot. We've seen it. In, I mean, look at look at what Kevin Keats is doing at NC State with the guys that he's bringing in. He's bringing in guys from in conference. So I mean, I, I think, I mean, I think it could work out for Carolina. I don't. I I again with him, it's temper expectations. Do not expect him to be a guy that's going to come in here. Like if you're if you're expecting him to come in here and score 15 a game, then I I don't know what to tell you. I think what what he is is he's going to be exactly what his stats were at Notre Dame. Maybe he shoots the ball a little bit better, possibly. I mean, he's a good but, guy that can drive, you know, drive the ball as well. The the biggest thing I took away from this Carolina's going to play with three guards. A three guards. Yeah, I mean, a, a they kind of got no choice. I mean, wing, he is a he wing is, and a big. I mean, he's six five, so he's got a little bit of size to him, as opposed to if you go with like if you go with Demarco Dunn, you're playing incredibly small. Yeah. 
So, like, that that would be the only difference. But, like, yeah, I mean, th- this is – you know what this is, well, I mean, too? You know, Wojcik's 6'4", so – you know, could play. yeah. He rebounds the ball a lot better than he. You did know, so, although he played in the Ivy League, I just so. feel like with those guys, they feel they feel like better fits in the backcourt. And look, not surprised by this. Like Hubert Davis said when he was introduced as the head as the head coach, I want to play with three guards. So yeah, at, yeah. at some point, this was. This was going to happen. This was his vision for the program. And look, nothing wrong with that. A lot of teams play three guards, a wing, and a big. It's going to be an adjustment for Carolina fans because we haven't really played like that traditionally. There's going to be vitriol. There was vi- that People are angry now, sitting here now. And, I mean, there may have been some you know, in season and even before the year that Pete Nance did not play in the post. There were people midseason that said, look, we should just go back to playing too big. Well, I mean, like when it comes to that conversation, I told you after they won at Notre Dame, that's their best way to play. I thought so too, but so like that's not Hubert, man. So He's told a, us that. From a style perspective, like but good coaches adjust to the talent that you have around them and stuff like that. Oh yeah, but what the, but what what you're saying is is that this the way they are gonna build this as of right now, it looks like a near certainty that it will be Carolina playing for round one. Yeah, and I mean, look, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I think, I think no matter what you do, it's the modern that's the modern basketball. Well, I mean, too. I mean, also like you're you're getting you're going to upgrade the offensive output, the offensive production, if you will, from the three position. You just had a team in your own conference that went to the Final Four playing three guards, three of the best guards in the country. So, you know, like I think that's one that we got to take into account is that, look, Carolina's not going to be maybe as dominant defensively on the perimeter with no leaky black, but you're also going to you're also going to be able to score the ball better because mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I said this, I said this last year when the offensive issues really just became prevalent. I'm t- I don't want to play 4 on 5 anymore. I want to play five on five offense. Well, last year, I mean, there were times you were playing three on five, maybe even two on five. So you know, I feel like a guy like Cormac Ryan helps with that. You, you know, it, it's just like that. That was one move where I was just kind of like, okay. But the other guys from the conference that they've showed uh, interest in, in Matthew Cleveland, mm-hmm. makes makes a ton of sense. I mean, you're talking about a six seven forward. A guy that you know we we've seen uh, up close and personal because he's played in the ACC. I feel like we have not seen him as much as I, we've seen a lot of Cormac. You know, you're talking about a guy that was the sixth man of the year back uh, back during his freshman year, mm-hmm. um, playing for Leonard Hamilton down there in Tallahassee. This year alone, he averaged nearly 14 points per game, over seven rebounds. But again. Three-point shooting, he's a lifetime 29% three-point shooter. But his freshman year, he was 18%. His sophomore year, all the way up to 35%. So he doubled his three-point percentage shooting average. But this is a guy that I look at and say, from from all things involved, from his height, his position, his ability to score, his ability to rebound, and stuff like that, it makes a lot of sense why Carolina... Um, is involved with him, and and I, for me, he's right there behind Harrison Ingram. Like if Carolina swings and misses on Cormac Ryan, cool. You swing on and miss on Matthew Cleveland, 
this front court is going to be under a, a you know under the microscope the entirety of next year because at that point you're probably asking both Elliot could do and Ian Jackson to re, uh, to reclassify early, and you're asking a lot out of one maybe two wing guys. Could, you, could the, your four? Could your your four be a guy that's like six three? Could be a guard. <laughs> I mean, you could you could literally I mean, play four oh my, yeah. four guards and and Mont- Well, it which would be good. I'm, look. I think that needs to be a lineup. I think that's something that you know. I oh, think- but you're going to get taken advantage of by some of these wings that got hiked. Can you? Im- Here's the thing about that that well, scenario. Well, not if not if, what is, not if you work hard and you defend your tail off. What? Is, what but okay, that that's fine. What are you going to do when you have to play Duke and they've got Kyle Filipowski at the four at seven foot going against a six three guy? It would just be the inverse of what Duke did to us whenever we would tout two bigs and they were playing small. And I mean, for the most part, we felt like we dominated. Yeah, that's the pro. That's that's the problem with that. It's either that with the four guards or it's three guards and two traditional bigs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I mean, look. Yeah, I. I'm going to be honest with you. I. I value Cleveland more than I value Ingram. Mm. But I don't know if the program does. I think that getting Matthew Cleveland in there because of what you said, the fact that they can play three guards. I mean, look at the guards that they're bringing in, and then if you get a guy to reclass, oh yeah, you're you're going to be you're going to be in good shape back there where you could afford to play three guards and. And even do it when you're rotating guys off the bench. You would have just that much depth in the backcourt. So I, I really, I mean, you talk about a guy that score that that's averaged 14 points per game this past year, seven rebounds, and that's a healthy number. That's what you want to see. He's done it. He did it in the ACC. He did it for and in the ACC for a team that was frankly not all that great. Where. He was very clearly their best player. So again, the same thing that we talked about with Harrison Ingram. Now him, he might get a little a little more attention because people in the conference know what he's capable of, but you would still probably look at him as the third option, right, behind Armando and RJ. I mean, it's pretty close, but I, I to me, that one seems like the one that I want the most. And at this point, with him, with Ingram... Those two guys, it's really about, people would say, well, you know, do they really fit? Doesn't matter anymore. Now it's about getting talent in here. Because if you want to make the NCAA tournament, if you land Cormac Ryan and that's it, you are not making the tournament. Mm. I don't see it. I, I just, unless unless RJ just goes off and averages 18, 19 a game and Armando is back to being as dominant as he was a year ago. I just that's you are asking a lot because there would be no depth. The supporting cast would be lackluster to say the least. So Carolina they they have to to me Cleveland should be top priority, Harrison Ingram right behind them. And I think you also need to bring in Cormac Ryan. I think if you bring in that trio right there, you get a reclass. I feel pretty good. Well, I mean, you also got to factor in like if you bring, if you land all three of these guys combined with Jalen Withers, combined with mm-hmm. with you already bringing in Pax and Wojcik, I, I feel like Carolina fans would be satisfied. Like I think you would look at it and say, 
You did a good job. That's a pretty solid team right there. You, you know, like, and then it's it's Hubert Davis's and his staff's job and responsibility to figure out the the ways to to put these guys in the best positions to succeed and put them in the best positions to to thrive and contribute. Um, and and I, I feel like I feel like with with Ingram and Cleveland, and even with Ryan, like you're talking about guys that have played at the Power Five level. Mm-hmm. Ryan and and Cleveland, they played in this conference night in night out. Cormac Ryan was actually here before it was even the ACC. There it is. You know, with with Harrison Ingram, I feel like with him, you put him in a position where a better supporting cast. I think he he, he produces better. Ryan, you know, he'd probably be a guy that comes off the bench and shoots threes and does stuff for you in that department. Then Cleveland, I think like you would you would look at it and say, bar none, he starts right away. Like he's showing up and he's starting. Whether that's, you know, and whether that means it's it's a lineup that is, you know, Davis, Dunn, Cleveland, Withers, Baycott. Who knows? I, but I feel like I feel like Cleveland would, with without a doubt, right without or, or Withers and Will, Wilcher. Don't sleep on Wilcher yeah. either. Hey, freshman I mean, I starting at Carolina, just I never I never hang my hat on that because there aren't it's it's there are there are great there are programs that have history and tradition. Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, they're set up to put eighteen year olds in positions to succeed right away. In my lifetime watching Carolina basketball, freshmen that have come in and made an immediate impact, Hansbro, Kendall Marshall, the second half of his freshman year, Kobe. Okay, I was was about to say. Um, Cole Anthony's numbers weren't great, but his impact was very noticeable, like... Ty Lawson, you know it's 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 a very short list of guys that uh, freshmen come in and 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 do big time things. But if Carolina lands all three of these guys, I come out of this saying I feel like we got a tournament team. And look, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's not the only expectation. Well, if, they, if they land all three, I got I, I would probably say they. I mean, fourth, fifth in the ACC. I feel like that's. Pretty comfortable, although at this point, I guess maybe that's just yeah. a tournament team. You know, and I mean, what I mean, like that's the thing. Like being a tournament team, still, like from a job perspective for Hubert Davis, yeah, he's got to make the tournament. From yes. from the fan perspective, making the tournament simply still not good enough. Like if if they make the tournament, and they bow out in round sixty four. Not gonna be sitting here saying, you know, hey, we're back, you headed in the right well, direction. They could win. They could win a title. And I think there would still be people at this point that would complain about it. So, so you know, it, but that's that's kind of where you are right now, and you're looking at a, a league where um, you know, Duke is going to be the overwhelming favorite, kind of like Carolina was this past year. Man, we've never seen that. I feel happy for him. You know, to, to win the conference, win a national championship. Kevin Keats has rebuilt his program after. Yeah, seeing, they're, if they're bringing in some of the guys that are rumored, they're going to. Well, I mean, be they, got, good. they got MJ Rice. Devin, uh, was it? Is it Devin Horn from uh, Arizona State? Yes. You know, Jaden Bradley is apparently yeah, going like, there. Yeah. You, Virginia with Tony Bennett, they're not going to go anywhere you wouldn't imagine. So In Carol- the regular season. Yeah, Carolina's <laughs> got their work cut out ahead of them, but by God, we're Carolina. And, you know, by God, we, we, we want to win. I expect to win, and hopefully we get these guys in here that can help us to win. A few closing notes. Uh, Will Shaver, he has found his new home. Um, he's going to Belmont. 
So I know, like that fit for him. I like that level. I, I think just, I, that's a solid conference for him. I could never imagine leaving Carolina to go be a guy, maybe the guy at Belmont. Okay, I mean, is here's the thing. I'd was much rather just ever, ride the was bench. Was he and, ever going to play at Carolina? I think I'd rather ride the bench at Carolina, get all the gear, all the fancy hotels, all the good food. All the girls on campus. I mean, look, I'm not going to complain. I, but you, like, here's the thing with him. I, I think that it was the worst thing that he ever did was come in as and redshirt. One of the worst things he ever was did smart. was have his head coach publicly admit, "Yeah, we're never doing that again." Um, and then he, I mean, and then he gets hurt. He he wants to play. Like he was not, he was not going to play here. I can guarantee you that was not going to happen. Yeah, I, I like I, I got told the same thing in church ball, but I defied the odds. So, and now you're sitting here doing this podcast, and you're fat. Um, and then uh, Jackie Manuel ha- has left his role on the staff to take a bench role at American. And there were some people that were trying to turn that into a negative and just kind of twist that and say that this just really shows that, you know, the Carolina family is broken and fractured when guys are leaving to be assistant head coaches elsewhere. I, my brother went to the basketball camp last year that, that, that the program puts on. Yes. I got a chance to meet and speak with Jackie Emanuel and got a chance to interact and see him interact with with kids. I heard that interaction was the reason that he actually left. Maybe. The guy just wants to coach basketball. Yeah. I, I don't I, I don't read much into that. I mean the thing is is like you look at the staff that's currently in place. I mean what who who is going anywhere right now? Well I mean that's like, the who's, thing. who's he taking the spot of? And uh, look how long like he's basically in the same role Sean May was. It took it took Sean May basically it took Roy Williams retiring and then, yep. you know, some adjustments made by Hubert Davis to the staff, and most of them haven't, you know, not letting Steve Ro- or not retaining Steve Robinson's definitely proven to backfire. Here's the other thing about it, too. Guys, if there's an opening on the staff, he has the option to return. I don't know. Yeah. If it, like, do you think this is like in baseball when you take a pitcher out, he can't come back? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not understanding. Like guys, it's it's okay. He's going there. He's going to be a part of the staff. In all honesty, it's probably better for him because he is going to have to be more involved, both in game and with recruiting. So he, if if he does come back, which is always a possibility, he may very well be a better coach because of it. And also, I don't know how good of a chance there actually is of this happening. Have you heard the name that has been rumored to take his spot? It is Marcus Page. <laughs> that would be, that, so if that's true, <laughs> like you would you would like that, right? I feel uh, like everybody would like that. So likes an understatement. So yeah, I mean that's that's the thing. Like I feel like Carolina is going to be perfectly fine whatever whatever way they go and if you're if you're crucifying him for this if you're crucifying Hubert for this then I don't really know what to tell you man the guy wants to be a little bit more involved in coaching um I mean who who could blame him look at some of the jobs that that other guys have taken before they came back here to Carolina like that that mindset is just wild to me but at this point we're 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 at the point where everybody's grasping at straws here, right? To try to to try to find whatever they they want to fit their opinion of this program is completely done. 
Like, it's, it is just insanity that there are people that are literally saying any any move, well, that just proves the program's in, in, in complete distress. Really? Like... I mean, I, I I don't get it. I mean, did they I, did they sell enough did they sell enough memorabilia at the yard sale, or should we be worried about that? The state of Carolina basketball is suffering because they didn't sell enough jerseys. Like, I mean, Jesus, people, take a break, relax. Yeah, it's, it's just, the off season. It's just another sign that uh, a we need basketball season back, and more importantly, we need winning basketball. I think back. people, I think people need need a beverage because they uh, need something. You know, whenever you go twenty and thirteen and look at it, most places, twenty and thirteen is a good year. Coaches get statues and contract extensions for twenty and thirteen years. Carolina. It causes a fan base to lose its mind and divulge into complete and utter chaos, and that's where we are right now as the staff still continues to navigate the transfer portal. This is going to wrap up this edition of the show, guys. Before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com where we've kept you updated on all the transfer portal news on the basketball front. Same thing with football. A spring football practice has come to an end. Carolina has seen a few guys already enter the transfer portal. Find all that great football and basketball coverage. That's HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, we're still on all the major uh, podcasting platforms. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate and review the podcast. But more importantly, guys, we want you to hit that subscribe button. We, we've we kind of slowed down the number of podcasts that we've done here, and that typically happens in the college basketball offseason. But make sure you hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the basketball offseason. Well, with that, is going to wrap up this edition. I want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always... Go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that!